Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. When writing the script for this podcast, I played around with several titles. I thought about calling it How Not to Be Anxious or The Cure for Excessive Concern. Either of these titles would be fitting, but I think the best all-inclusive label is How to Not Worry. That being said, today we are going to hear from the Lord Himself. As our Maker, He knew our feeble frames would, in certain seasons, be preoccupied with anxiety, worry, or excessive, unhealthy concern. This is why, by His grace, He provided us with the blueprint on how to properly respond to life in His Word. Beloved, the hope that God gives us is that He makes it possible for us to live a worry-free and an anxiety-free existence. Yes, God commands us not to worry, but He also provides the means by which our worries are eradicated by casting our cares on Him, 1 Peter 5.7. The good news is that for those who are in Christ, God worries for us. Subsequently, in this episode, we will do a brief exposition of Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, where Christ teaches us how not to worry. Lord willing, what you will learn is what to do if you worry all the time, or what to do if you are someone who is frequently anxious. Now, before I begin to unpack Matthew 6, 4, let us be mindful of the context. Matthew chapters 5 to 7 overall is what is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. Here, Jesus explains that he is the promised king as he announces the kingdom of God and demonstrates its power. He subsequently tells us who servants in the kingdom are and how they live. Starting in Matthew 6.16, Jesus emphasizes that we are to be heavenly-minded, not earthly-minded. This has practical implications for everyday life. So, in Matthew 6.24, Jesus explains that no person can serve two masters. He says that a man will serve one and hate the other, so no man can serve God who is heavenly and wealth which is earthly. Servants of the king are to focus on the true treasure in paradise. Next, in Matthew 6.25-34, Jesus explains to us the cure for anxiety. There, the Lord says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith." Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. 
each day has enough trouble of its own. To keep things straightforward, let's focus on Christ's summary statement in the last verse. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. This is a command, so if we do worry, then we sin by disobedience. We should not disobey the Lord because we should obey. This then begs the question, what does worry actually mean? Worry comes from a Greek word that means to be anxious about or to have a care that is distracting. So generally speaking, the original Greek word can be translated as to be anxious, care, or worry. Be mindful that this worry is apprehension about the future, so it is a worry that is always directed forward. This means you are not just thinking about, planning, or merely considering something. Instead, you are so preoccupied that you are pulled apart into pieces and each piece is moving in a different direction. Just imagine someone tossing and turning in the middle of the night because they are thinking about what may happen in the morning. They think to themselves, what if this or what if that? Because they are unable to secure any immediate clarity and have no control over the future, their anxiety continues to fuel more distraction, which exacerbates the anxiety. I hate to be repetitive, but here's a crucial point not to miss. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Meaning, disobedient worry is qualified by what it's worrying about, the future. This is why worry pulls us apart into pieces, can cause our hair to fall out, and give us stomach ulcers. Because a man can worry about tomorrow, but he cannot do anything about tomorrow. Meaning what? That all his worrying is a complete and total waste of time. Because all of his internal tension cannot be discharged in any productive way, so it's no wonder he begins to break down and can exhibit extreme physical manifestations like crushing chest pain or difficulty breathing. The effects of worrying about the future are all negative, which is why Christ commands us not to worry. Jesus acts in Matthew 6.27, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus is essentially saying, what benefit is there to worrying? The implied answer is none. Worrying is self-destructive and self-defeating. There is nothing I can do about that which has not happened yet. There is nothing I can do about a reality that is not yet here. There is nothing I can do about that which may not even happen. So to bring it all together, let us all not forget that worry is sin. Why? Because the sin behind the sin of worry is unbelief with a healthy dose of pride. What does Jesus say in Matthew 6, verse 30 to 31? But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? People who are worrywarts or anxious are sinners just like you and me, but they commit the specific sin of lack of belief. They do not actually trust that the God of tomorrow will actually provide for them tomorrow. They doubt that the God who created the world will be there to create something for them. Subsequently, because worry is not God-focused, it causes us to be self-focused. It is then that I begin to entertain questions like, what will I do? Or, how can I handle this situation? 
Trying to tackle the future by yourself is traumatic, so of course, people will end up feeling burnt out and stressed out. Sin nudges us toward the disobedience of worry instead of the obedience of casting our fears on the Lord. The sin of worry irrationally compels us to be concerned over things we have no control over, leaving many to feel totally out of control. Or perhaps it is better said that the worry is in complete control. So what then is God's solution? It's certainly not taking pills because pills only manage biological symptoms. They never deal with the spiritual sin of unbelief. Accordingly, God's solution is for us to take off bad thinking and put on godly thinking. As the legendary biblical counselor Jay Adams once wrote, quote, Tomorrow always belongs to God. Tomorrow is in His hands. Whenever we try to take hold of it, we try to steal what belongs to Him. End quote. The biblical solution to how not to worry simultaneously teaches us how to be at peace. The biblical solution is that we trust that the future lies in the hands of God, whom we trust. We are at peace knowing that the all-knowing, all-powerful God reigns over tomorrow, so why would we compete with omniscience by encroaching on His territory? When you trust God, you trust that whatever tomorrow brings, all things will work together for good for those who love the Lord, Romans 8.28. In fact, tomorrow works for the Lord, so tomorrow cannot come to pass unless God wills it. Hence, we do not worry about the future, cognizant that the future lies in the hands of our good, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father. God's solution is that negatively, we do not worry about that which we have no control over. We do not allow the future's potential difficulties to bother us in the actual present. Positively, we do concern ourselves with what we do have a degree of control over right now. Again, in Matthew 6.34, Jesus says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you see what Jesus does here? He shifts where we are to focus our attention. So, when He commands us not to worry, that does not mean we stop being concerned or are apathetic. The solution is not no concern. That would in fact be pathologic. The solution is refocusing our attention on today. Right now, you have the ability, time, energy, space, and the means to do something. So when answering how not to worry, the most succinct answer is to shift the focus of our energies toward they will actually be useful today and away from where they cannot reach tomorrow. Now before I move on, let's make sure we are all clear about one thing. Jesus says in Matthew 6.34, do not worry about tomorrow. There is nothing in the Lord's words that precludes thinking about tomorrow, considering for tomorrow, or planning for tomorrow. Even more, the benefits of future planning are discussed in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. And in Luke 14, 28, when Jesus is teaching about discipleship, he implores his disciples to count the cost. In other words, he was advocating that his followers plan and consider before doing something. What's the point? The point is that all of the Lord's servants should plan for tomorrow, but we are commanded not to worry. 
We don't worry knowing that God is in total control and we trust Him. This means if God wills, then our plans may come to pass. On the flip side, if He wills, our plans may also be demolished and that's okay because we know that our plans are not sovereign, God is. Our worry is therefore assuaged in the sovereignty of God. As Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So what we have learned is that the key to living a worry-free, peace-saturated existence is to shift our energies into taking care of our present troubles. Present concern begets action, and when we take steps in concrete reality toward concrete solutions, we get concrete results. And we can do this confidently, knowing that such a way of life is in the will of God. In fact, the grand irony is, worrying tends to paralyze people with inaction, meaning they are so torn into pieces by tomorrow's troubles, they end up doing nothing right now, which solves absolutely nothing. However, when a man faithfully works for Christ and does everything that he can right now, he can lay his head on his pillow in peace, knowing that above all else, God is in charge. Someone may be asking themselves, but what if I can't actually do anything about my problem today? What if a relative just received the terminal diagnosis and I'm not a doctor? What if I heard there are layoffs happening at my job and I am in a low-level position with no seniority? Well, doing something does not always mean taking action without. It can also mean taking action within. What I mean by that is, one of the first things you can always do is change how you think about the current predicament. Consequently, something can always be done about today's problem, and even if everything around you stays the same, you can change. Sometimes, us changing is the point. Furthermore, if we consider that worrying is a temptation and then acting on that temptation is sin, we also know that God will never allow something to happen to one of His own beyond their ability. See 1 Corinthians 10.13. So, if you're wondering, what can I do today? One simple thing to do if you find yourself worrying is to immediately stop, recognize that worrying is sinful, and then repent. The next step is to read Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34 and read those words cognizant that our Lord is so gracious, He knew we would be tempted to be anxious, so He equipped us with the solution on how not to worry. Let's get more specific. Here's a suggestion on what to do next time you feel anxious or are worrying about the future. Ask yourself three questions. Question number one is, is God sovereign? The answer to this question is always yes. Question number two is, is God sovereign over what I am worrying about? The answer to question number two is always yes. Question number three is, how has God called me to respond to this problem? The answer to question number three is not, I am free to respond emotionally or how I please. The answer to question number three is found in Matthew 6.34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. After answering all three questions, the next step is to specify precisely what your problem is. Next, you can write down at least one concrete step that you will take now in order to address the problem. 
Finally, you take action and do. If you have more than one concrete steps, you take action and do more than once. I will repeat here what I said at the top. The concrete hope that God gives us is that He makes it possible for us to live a worry-free and an anxiety-free existence. Yes, God commands us not to worry, but He also provides the means by which our worries are eradicated, by casting our fears on Him. When God worries for us, that does not mean He has sleepless nights. It means that we let God quote-unquote worry about what will be, knowing that He holds the future in the palm of His hand. We simply focus on what is. We simply focus on the truth that we serve the King, not ourselves, our preoccupations, or things. We serve the King, humbly cognizant that we only have a finite degree of control over today. In contrast, the Lord is in control of everything all the time. Therefore, our concerns about the not yet future are fully satisfied in our precious Lord. We find peace knowing that the Lord has already finished the end of tomorrow before it becomes our today. We therefore live not in a perpetual state of worry, but in a state of Holy Spirit-inspired peace. Here is the last point that I will make. As I hope is readily obvious, all of the advice given in this episode was to Christians. Christians ought not to worry because they are in Christ. But if you, or someone you know, does not know Christ, then you should worry. In fact, your big problem is that you are not worrying enough. You should be anxious about tomorrow, because you may not make it to tomorrow, and if you go, you will never be at peace. You will never be safe, because hell is a place where you will be broken into pieces for all eternity. There, you will be free from worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow is always certain torment. Beloved, the gospel is of first importance because it doesn't actually matter if your life is worry-free, yet the Lord does not know you. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then life is meaningless. The only way a man gets right with himself and life is if he gets right with God. There is but one way a man gets right with God, through Jesus Christ. Worry and anxiety are not your biggest problems if you don't know and trust Him. As Christ Himself says in Mark 1.15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Christ is the answer. He is the one who redeemed us from death to life. He will also rescue us from the sin of worrying so that each and every day we can do for Him, knowing that because of His finished work, we are at peace with God. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.